Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Once in a while, life seems to hold a dark cloud over us. It could be a streak of bad luck, or maybe even mental health struggles. Unfortunately, for many people before the 21st century, they were often undiagnosed or forced to take extreme measures to try and find solutions to these problems. Now, try and imagine putting yourself in this situation. It's early 1900s, and you have what you believe is a curse condemning your life and the life of your children. How would you protect them from this curse? How far would you go to ensure their safety and that their life would never be touched by this curse? Today's story one woman went through this exact dilemma in hopes of protecting her own. My name's Ben. And I'm Nicole. And you're listening to Wicked and Grim, a true crime podcast. notice how when I'm doing our intro, I'm always using hand gestures? Actually, yes. Like and pretty much every time. I don't know why. I don't know if anyone realizes how many gestures actually occur <laughs> behind a microphone. A lot, actually. A lot. It, well, I mean, it helps emphasize sometimes. Yeah, but lots lots of times we're not even noticing it of each other. Well, no. But are, we're ha- are we, you're more of a hand talker than me. You think I'm a hand talker? A little, I think. A little hand talker. A little hand talker. Wow, okay. I don't know if that's <laughs> that's a good thing or what, but I'm a little hand talker, I guess. But when I try to enunciate things or really describe something, I feel like I'm using my hands. That's true. You get you get that motion going. Yeah. If you if you listen closely, you can almost hear like in our voice that motion as we get our hands going. <laughs> I don't know if you guys could hear it or not. I could hear it, <laughs> but I was also witnessing it. That's true. That's true. You were. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to know what else I was witnessing not too long ago? What's that? Awesome people signing up for a Patreon this oh, week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we had Bonnie Kegerice, who shout out, told me how to pronounce her name correctly. And so you think you nailed it? I think so. Awesome. Because keg of rice. She was like, it's literally just keg of rice. Keg so, of rice. Yeah. Oh, that's so. a good way of describing it. Yeah. So thank you, Bonnie. You- Probably wouldn't pronounce it that way, would you have? I don't know. I don't know. Looking in hindsight, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might have said Kagerice. I don't know. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's Bonnie Kegerice, uh, Sophia Troke, Mungbean, which I don't think that's a real name, but if it is, love it, um, and Paige Morgridge. 
awesome. So thank you so much for signing up on Patreon. You guys are getting that exclusive behind the scenes content. And of course, the extra episode at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. Which we're approaching quickly, aren't we? We are. So we got to figure that out. Maybe we should be asking our patrons again what they what they want to hear. It's already February 20th. That is wild. Well, I mean, it would be 21st when you're listening to this. And time flies so fucking fast. It's stupid. Yeah. Um, And speaking of time flying fast, we mentioned before... (laughs) A new podcast potentially coming out by Wicked and Grim. Yeah. This is, people are excited about this because we haven't mentioned a lot about it. We haven't. We're really hoping to have this up and running in about two months time. So just so you guys know, Jacko might have his own show in about two months. Wow. So. Look at Jacko just doing his shit, eh? I know. I'm pretty sure he's more popular than we are. I know. He's pretty dope though. He actually is pretty cool, dude. He is. I think we should uh, figure out his backstory even too. Oh. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be super cool to know actually. Yeah. Maybe we should ask him about it, see if he can give us some we'll, of the deets. We'll do a Q&A session with him. We'll interview him. <laughs> we should. Oh, wow. <laughs> that would be fun. Maybe that'll be a good Halloween thing or something maybe. Yeah, no yeah. kidding actually. Well, you ready for this episode? I'm ready. Your intro is bomb. Was it? Yeah, well, because you kind of, you mentioned a little bit about this case, but then your intro was like, oh, Okay. Okay, that makes it sound a little different than what I had in my mind. Yeah, because this one's, it's almost got two stories to it. It's um, the curse we spoke of mm-hmm. and the life leading along said curse and the result and what she does because of said curse. Okay. So it's kind of those two. And shout out to Liv over at uh, Proud Paws mm-hmm. for recommending this. Who's, they're dog groomers. Yeah. So I was up there the other day and she told me about this one and I was like, that sounds dope. So let's do it. They groom our doggos and they do a freaking amazing job. They do. So let's get into it. You ready? Yeah. I just took a sip of water. I'm ready. Roll. Okay. Let's go. Stay hydrated, people. Nicole's doing it. (laughs) I'm sure not. I know that. Okay. We start off with Leonardo Chinchuli. She was born on April 18th in 1894 in the small Italian town of Montella, a.k.a. it was known as the Kingdom of Italy. Okay. But from the very start, there was little in her life that was quaint or homey. Leonardo's mother had been born into a wealthy family, and reportedly she had been sexually assaulted, and then she had discovered she was pregnant from her assailant. Oh, jeez. So to avoid ridicule and ruin, she was forced to actually marry her attacker. Oh my gosh. And she conceived the child with him as their family. Holy shit. So yeah, we're starting off on a not very eloquent foot here. No. I can't imagine making those sort of shoes. That's horrible. Yeah. I didn't even think anything like that could ever happen. No. Well, it was mostly an attempt to um, clear her name take that smudge away sort of thing of being pregnant out of wedlock sort of thing, you know? Um, but even with these attempts to repair her name and status, she became out of wed- became pregnant out of wedlock anyways, and her family cut her off. Wow. So, yeah. So Leonardo's mother went from living in luxury to living in squalor. And, her, and in her mind, there was only one person to blame. Her new baby she had just conceived from her assailant, Leonardo. Okay. That actually shocked me even more. I was thinking you were going to say the attacker was be completely to blame. No, she just did not like her child out of spite. I mean, not that you should treat anyone 
in negative manner just because of these actions of someone else. I mean, it's it's a baby. It's an infant, right? Yeah, the baby did nothing. But I can understand that skewed perspective on this child when it's like your father assaulted me. I can understand it, but also like the baby had literally nothing exactly. to do with any of this. The baby yeah. is the result, so I, but it's not their fault. So wow. I get it, but it's not an excuse all at the same time. Right. So anyways, Leonardo's mother made sure that Leonardo knew everything that happened and that it was all her fault. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She said it was her fault that they had no money to buy food or clothes and her fault that they lived in poverty. And Leonardo believed her as she grew up. Holy, this is really fucked. Okay. Now, understandably, the two had a very terrible relationship um, built out of spite. And before Leonardo even became an adult, she had tried to commit suicide on two separate occasions, showing just how deeply her mother's words we're cutting her. Well, yeah, this is just, I can't even, oh, it's so brutal. This is, is so brutal and so sad. Yeah. A parent's job is to be there for your child. And yet you're sitting here saying these things, driving your child to this. Mm-hmm. That is fucked up. I feel incredibly bad for her. I do. I mean, to be, to be fair. <laughs> Can we do an episode without being to be fair? <laughs> um, I do feel bad for Leonardo's mother as well because of what she went through. So, I mean, she is a victim in these circumstances as well. Yes. But, but now she's creating someone else to be a victim that isn't exactly. necessarily needing to be. She's perpetuating the cycle. Yes. So, so I, I feel bad for her as well. However, again, it's not an excuse. Mm-hmm. So anyways, she took everything her mother said very seriously. That's why when Leonardo came home with what she thought would be good news one day, her mother's words would change the course of Leonardo's life even more dramatically forever. In 1917, Leonardo married a man by the name of Raphael Pensardi. He was a local registry office clerk with a steady job. She had gone home to tell her mother, being excited about the news, and she was expecting her mother to be happy, especially now that she would be moving in with her new husband. Mm. There would be one less mouth to feed. She would not be around to bother her mother anymore, be the burden she claimed she was, right? I wouldn't be expecting that her mom would be happy about this. Exactly. Why wouldn't she be? Yeah. But the happiness and excitement, for whatever reason, did not come. She was furious. Furious. Yes. And we do know the reason. Okay. Leonardo had known at that time, or sorry, had not known at that time, but her mother had actually been planning for Leonardo to marry someone else, someone much more wealthy, someone who could provide for their entire family as a oh, whole. Oh, and she was not aware of this, I'm assuming. Correct. Okay. So when she came home and announced her marriage to Raphael, she basically ruined her mother's plans and her mother took this as like a final betrayal because her mom was basically just trying to get back to the lifestyle she had at one point of luxury right pretty much and this is was her plan exactly okay and it just this all went out the window now because of this wow yeah and of course divorce was out of the question uh so there was little that uh her mother could do to undo Leonardo's marriage. Oh, like she had come home and basically already said she was married. Oh yeah. She was married. Oh, it's not that she's okay. marrying. She came home was like, mom, I'm married. Okay. I misheard this. Okay. Yeah. So the only thing that her mother could do to make sure that her daughter spent the rest of her days suffering. Oh my goodness. She um, already has been suffering. Yeah. 
She was, but the only thing she could do to ensure beyond her leaving this home and not having a happy life in her marriage was curse her. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. This, so, okay, this mom is <laughs> making me just pissed right now. She's not a very good mother. Oh, she, no. She's not. I mean, she's all like, fuck you. I hate you. You're a shitty child. You ruined my life. Also, by the way, you cursed. Yeah. What? Excuse me? Like, what else could she do? Um, Not much. Exactly. She's pretty much reached that limit, I think. Um, and I mean, today, most people would have just brushed off the idea of a curse, honestly. I think so, yeah. Especially coming from a spiteful and toxic relative, just out of literal spite, right? Um, but Leonardo had literally spent her entire childhood believing every word that her mother said. Oh, okay. And so when she's all like, yeah, well, you're going to go and be happy. Uh, guess what? No, you fucking cursed. Leonardo was like, shit, I'm cursed. Oh, and then, so then, honestly, for a curse, I feel like to be successful, the recipient has to believe in it. And it, like, for it to, that it's going to happen or that it's too, right? In I a mean, sense? I don't know anything about like magic or curses or Wicca or whatever category this falls under, the cult stuff, but uh, I would assume that's probably going to help for sure. Well, I mean, even if, say, said curse didn't, wasn't a thing. Just her believing that it is. A placebo effect, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it can kind of fuck with her. Oh, definitely. So. Definitely. Um, so she did try to move on with her life, even with this curse hanging over her head, um, trying to build something together with her new husband, Raphael. Um, but it didn't take long for her mother's curse to actually rear its ugly head. See, Leonardo became pregnant, something that should have been good news mm -hmm. to the happy newlywed couple. But Leonardo was uneasy and she had every right to be. Because wanting to get ahead of her mother's curse, she had actually previously gone to a fortune teller to see if she could uh, get in some insight into her future. And that fortune teller had given Leonardo some great news. She said that Leonardo would marry and would have many children, which sounds great. Mm -hmm. But all of them would die young. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That would make you not even want to have a kid at all then. Agreed. Yeah. Now, I mean, contraception in this time is not right. the most widely used thing, if at all. I'm not too sure when it was created. This is the early 1900s, but still. Uh, so after that, though, she did also visit someone else. She went to a Romani fortune teller um, and they read palms and they told her after identifying the lines in her hands, mm -hmm. I quote, in your right hand, I see prison. In your left, a criminal asylum. Okay, so she's basically just like doomed here. Pretty much. Both were very heavy predictions. Very shitty predictions. Yeah, and one of them specifically targeting or the future of her children hit very hard because, I mean, she was pregnant, right? Yeah. Later. Yeah. So, yeah, she's all like, shit, I had these bad predictions. One of them specifically talking about the potential health of my child, and I'm now sitting here pregnant. Fuck. Not to mention this added stress that she's probably carrying around with her. Oh, exactly. Right? Yeah. She's got a lot of stress on her shoulders. Yeah. So this whole joy over being pregnant was now turned into essentially a sense of dread. And that dread became much worse when she lost a baby. Lost the baby. Oh, geez. Yeah. And I mean, a miscarriage is devastating at best. Mm -hmm. um, and for Leonardo, I'm sure it hit even harder because this in her mind, was proof that her mother's curse was in fact real and that the fortune teller's prophecy was coming true. Wow. 
So Leonardo drifted for a while, probably suffering from what we now would diagnose as depression today. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't much understanding of mental health, health issues or anything like that back in the early 1920s. I mean, I still feel like we're trying to understand it and that it should be more widely accepted. Oh, for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she just, because it wasn't accepted or understood, she just sank deeper and deeper. Oh boy. And then eventually she found herself behind bars. What did she do? Well, she was arrested in 1921 after Raphael had moved them to his hometown of Laria Potenza. Now, Leonarda had been found guilty of fraud, though there is no real description of her exact crimes to be found regarding this fraud. Um, but there was prison sentence occurring here, okay. which meant another prediction had come true. Mm-hmm. So she did get out six years later, and with her husband, Raphael, still at her side, they moved to another town, Lacedonia Avellino. Now, this was a fresh start for him. A fresh start that came with good news when Leonardo became pregnant again okay. and managed to deliver a healthy child. Oh, yay! Yes, though I'm sure she held her breath waiting for the curse to kick in at every Absolutely. any moment, right? I'm, I'm so, sure she did. Yeah. And it may have looked like things turned around for them, but wherever Leonardo went, her mother's curse wasn't far behind. I honestly can't imagine being fucking cursed. Like legitimately. Can you imagine just someone cursing you today and then these things happening afterwards? Yeah, that basically it's all just coming to to be. Yeah. I mean, mind you, these, these are years later, these sort of things. And I don't know if I have the attention span to remember I've been cursed for that fucking long. Oh, I feel like though, if shit just kept happening though, you would remember. Potentially, potentially yeah. just blaming this curse constantly. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I can't fathom the idea of actually being cursed. That would be wild. Yeah. I mean, I can kind of fathom the idea of being cursed, but I think what is less fathomable to me is believing that you've been cursed. That's true. Yeah. And I do think one th one thing that really pushed Leonardo here to believe that she was in fact cursed was the whole idea of her children not being healthy. Mm -hmm. Because during the course of her marriage, she had 17 pregnancies. Three of those ended in miscarriage. Another 10 of the children died when they were very young. And that left Leonardo and Raphael with only four surviving children out of 17. Are you serious? Dead serious. So I think Holy. with numbers like that, I'm pretty sure anyone would believe you're fucking cursed. Yeah, no shit. Because, and I can't imagine the weight that would hold on anyone's heart. And it's like to think that it's her fucking mother did this to her. Yeah. Wow. That is too much to take in. <laughs> well, try and take it in. I can't believe that she had 17 pregnancies. Yeah, that's wild. Whoa. And so, sorry, four or five of them? Four survived. Four. Whoa. Yeah. That's devastating. And then, to top it all off, in the midst of going through all that loss and pain, tragedy would strike in 1930. She'd lose her husband? When an earthquake tore through Lacedonia, where they were living, and destroyed their family's home. Oh, okay. Now, to be fair, the entire town was actually destroyed. Um, and Raphael knew that he'd have to get something dr dramatic to happen here because he had a family to take care of and mm -hmm. look after, right? So he did decide to move them to a place called Corriego Reggio Emilia. Um, sorry, Corriego was in Reggio Emilia. Uh, and in this was 
this move would actually finally change their luck. Things would finally turn around. Okay, well, it's amazing that they haven't even given up hope because <laughs> I feel like after that much bad things that have happened to them, it would be hard to carry on with your day, like having any, what's the word? Like, what was Hope? It? Yes, there you go. <laughs> I'm like, any hope whatsoever. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's a very heavy situation that they've gone through for basically the last 20 years, 20 mm -hmm. plus years. Yeah. Um. So you have how many children you've lost. You've now been behind bars. Your home has been absolutely mm -hmm. destroyed. I think the only thing that they're looking for at this time is that they have each other still and they do have their four surviving children. Right. That so, they need to, to protect and love and feed. And, exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure, which we are even going to touch on this here in a bit, uh, Leonardo would protect her kids at all costs. So... Well, I mean, she learned from the worst. So, of course, I feel like she'd be a little bit of a better mom than that. I like how you said learn from the worst. That was awesome. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. That was a good way of putting it. Well, yeah. Her mom's horrid. Yeah. I'm disgusted by her mother. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. High five to that bitch. Because <laughs> she a bitch. There we go. Not a high five to her, but a high five on us hating High her. five for her being a bitch. High five on just being a bitch. Yeah. High five on us agreeing that we hate her because she is a bitch. How's that? <laughs> Gosh, there we go. That was way too complicated. <laughs> um, anyway, so they moved and things were starting to look up finally. Now, the people in Coriego, like many other towns and villages all over Italy, all heard about the absolutely terrible earth earthquake that struck their town. So when Raphael and Leonardo showed up with their young children in tow, the people were absolutely happy to help in any way that they could. Oh my gosh, love that. They actually set the family up in a house in town. One that even had a storefront so that Leonardo could make and sell some things, you know, and get things going again. Wow, okay, that's really cool. Yeah, and not to mention, while she is working in the storefront at home, she's there to look after the yeah. kids at the same time. It's That's perfect. It's a perfect situation. And from there, Raphael was hooked up with a new job and it looked like the family would take a step back and breathe again because they finally had this break in their life. Amazing. So Raphael was working as a clerk and Leonardo began making and selling soap in their storefront. This all worked for them on so many more ways than we could ever imagine. Leonardo had now, you know, ways of getting to know the townspeople, for example, and the townspeople got to know the family in return. So it was just fitting into the community all the things we'd already talked about, and it worked out beautifully. So whenever the family went through another heartbreak or losing another child, the village was there to support them. They got in, they knew people. It was a personal level. Now the people knew what these this family had gone through mm -hmm. and they were there to support and do whatever they could. And Leonardo wanted to pay that back. So she began collecting anything and everything she could on the occult. She was both trying to figure out how to get rid of the curse that her mother had bestowed upon her and wanting to see if there was something that she could do to help other villagers when they were going through similar things as well. Okay. Which is super awesome. She's basically becoming like the the village witch, which mm -hmm. is dope. So <laughs> You're like, I love that. Fuck yes. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be the village witch? I'm a 35-year-old <laughs> dude and I want to be the village witch. Come on. And, and the sad thing is, is you would be so good at it. Oh, fuck yeah, I would. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh my gosh. You would be way better than me. Like, bitch, you got ghosts. Let's give you a potion and banish those fuckers. You would fuckers. be so passionate about it. Hell yeah. 
<laughs> I love that. Could you imagine that being your job? The village fucking witch? Yeah. Like, ah, oh, you got a curse. Here, let's drink. Sit under this full moon tonight and we'll howl. You'll be cured by the morning. You would have freaking t-shirts made for yourself to wear. <laughs> village witch. <laughs> I should make you one. <laughs> It'd say village bitch, but the B would be crossed out with a W over top. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, that escalated. That really did. We digress. <laughs> Sorry. With her learning these new skills, with her becoming the village witch, um, though it's not described as her as a village witch. That's just our own description, by the way. Um, people did start coming to her for fortunes. Uh, they were, when they were sick, you know, they would reach out to her and they thought maybe that they were cursed too, like Leonardo's reputation um, of her potentially being cursed. And mm -hmm. what well, honestly gave them someone to talk to too. Oh yeah. Exactly. Right. Like I bet you along with her being the, like kind of the village witch, she was also kind of like, the village counselor. In Definitely. Sense, right. Definitely. And as she was able to counsel and like actually help people, her reputation grew of being able to have these abilities or special powers to, of helping people. Hmm. So That's awesome. She's helping people one way or another. Mm -hmm. And she became quite well respected in Coriego, but that didn't mean that all the experiences she was getting in the occult was making her feel any more sure of her own curse being left behind though. Okay. As she was helping other people, it wasn't changing her situation at all. Okay. Which is what she ultimately wanted, was after. Ultimately, yes. Now, Leonardo still hadn't quite worked out, worked her way, sorry, out from under this curse. And it made her even more protective of her current four surviving children. Mm -hmm. Her eldest living son's name was Giuseppe. Fucking love that name. Yeah. Just want to point that out. Also, like, how are you doing so well with these names here? Like, um, well done. I'm just pretending. Okay, well, it sounds like you know what the shit you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just just doing my best. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, you're doing good. Thank you. Well, she and Giuseppe had a very special relationship. They'd spent a lot of time together. Even as Giuseppe grew older and became a teenager, one of the First things that he'd do when he came back from school would sit down with his mother in the kitchen. They'd have a cup of tea and some tea cakes together and talk oh about their day. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? 100%. This is what happened. That's fucking beautiful. Yes. I love it. <laughs> now, a lot of times Giuseppe was described as her favorite child. Oh, okay. I don't know if That's she like. That's not maybe as good. I don't know if she played favorites that way. I just think they just had a really strong relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think any of her other kids were quite old enough to sit down and have tea with their mother and cake well, yeah. and like discuss their day, you know? Sounds so, like a little angel. Yeah. So I don't think it was necessarily her favorite child, more or less. She just had a strong particular bond with this child. And the age that, that he was. Exactly. Yeah. He was the oldest, right? So he had that ability to make that bond so far. And this whole tea and tea cake thing turned into a a tradition and tradition that many of the other villagers actually learned to know about as well. Uh, sometimes other villagers and some of the other women would actually come around and have tea and tea cake with Leonardo and Giuseppe. Oh my God. Um, also because Leonardo was becoming pretty famous around the town as well because of her, her locally made tea cakes, okay. which she would sell in her, I her don't storefront, even know what her that shop. Is, to be honest. I mean, that can go several different ways. It could be like a loaf, could be a biscuit. I don't know. Okay. So something that you enjoy with tea. Yeah, could be could be like a, a cracker biscuit, could be banana bread sort of thing. I don't fuck it. There's a million different options of what it could be. But mm -hmm. she had these tea cakes. Apparently they were fucking delish. That's all I really know. <laughs> what? 
Well, just how you did your hand gesture there as See? we talk. You're like, they're fucking delish. I did and like the, it, the okay sign, like, Mwah. Almost like you would like to be enjoying one at this very oh, moment. Who wouldn't want to be having some fucking tea and tea cakes right now? I know, actually, yeah. I want some. Awesome. Can we make tea and tea cakes after this? I'm going to Google a tea cake recipe. Do it. <laughs> Um, so anyways, we digress again, um, despite the curse though, everything seemed to be going well currently, but only a few months before Giuseppe's 18th birthday, Leonardo would find herself terrified of her ill omens once again. See, Giuseppe came home one evening and instead of doing the usual routine of tea cakes and tea with his mother, he sat down and he told her that he'd enrolled in the Italian army. Okay, I thought that he was going to be like have died already no. kind of thing or not saying that you go in the army, you're going to die. But like he's putting himself in a dangerous situation. That's kind of what made her worried. Yes, okay. exactly. She okay. Well, she knew that, A, this curse was going to take her son too if he was going to go in the army. That was her perspective. Right. And he was enrolling right at the beginning of World War II. Okay. Yeah. So she became basically desperate to save him because yes. going off to war at this time, coming back is not you're not really got the odds in your favor yeah oh my gosh yeah well and especially yeah with this extra curse that is over his head exactly yeah so she knew that she needed to save him somehow and she only had a few months till he was officially old enough to join the army so she was going to try and use her time wisely while she had it she came up with a plan and her plan was to give back to the people of Coriego, thinking that if she managed to put enough good energy out there into the world, into her town, that it would protect her son when he went off to war. And Leonardo knew exactly where to start. Now, remember that the people of Coriega came to Leonardo for all kinds of reasons, right? Mm -hmm. When they were sick, they sometimes went to her before they even went to the doctor, for example. They came to her for advice and they came to her when they had problems that looked like only a little bit of extra magic would be able to solve. And one day, Leonardo had one of those people sitting in her kitchen. Now, her name was Faustina Seti. She was on the lookout for a husband. And by this time, Faustina was only or was already 73 years old. Holy, okay. She'd never been married and she was getting on in age, of course. And she wanted to know what life would be like as a married yeah. individual before she died. I just just say that it's not like bad that she's looking for a husband at that age, but just at that age, I feel like if I hadn't found anyone, I'd be like, you'd turn into the I village just, witch. I'd just be fine with it. I feel like, <laughs> but to still be looking at that age, yeah. that's impressive. Yeah, she she wanted to be married. It was kind of her lifelong goal to hmm. make sure she she married before she died. Okay. So this looked like the perfect situation for Leonardo to try and solve. Yeah. You know, maybe next little love potion number nine and bam, she's, she's good to go. You didn't get that. Never mind. Never mind. That was a reference to a song. Love potion number nine. No, I didn't get that. Oh, then why didn't you? Oh, sorry. You. Okay. <laughs> that was hilarious. Come on now. <laughs> Anyways. No, that was good. That was good. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the, the pity laugh. <sighs> no, I'm just so enthralled with the story. Okay. Come okay. On. Gotcha. Well, anyways, she managed to pull this off and she was thinking, pulling this off will put the best energy out there. Giuseppe should be safe. You know, good energy would out overdo the bad, good karma sort of thing, right? Okay. I was worried that she was going to offer her son to her. No. Okay. No. That's not what happened. Okay. No. Fixing this lifelong dream was basically the way that she would protect him while he's at war. Okay. Right? So Leonardo agreed 
And she had someone, another client in a different village who was around the same age as Festina and just so happened to be looking for a wife as well. Hmm. So Festina began writing letters to her new future husband, and he even wrote some letters back to her. Little did Festina know, though, that it was actually Leonarda who wrote the responding letters. Oh, so she was just faking this. That is not good karma at all. This, uh, this person didn't exist then, correct? Correct. Oh, okay. I can't see how she thinks this is good. Oh, she, she knows this isn't good. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Things were going exactly as planned for Leonardo. She knew this wasn't good. Let's mm -hmm. just say that. All she would need now was Faustina to write some postcards explaining to her friends and family where she was going, and she would pay Leonardo for her services. Now, Faustina took out her entire life savings, which was about 30,000 lire, which equals out to about 332 US dollars today. Okay. Uh, she headed over to Le Leonardo's house, paid her, and there she wrote the postcards and got ready to head out for the trip of a lifetime to meet her soon-to-be husband. Or so she thought. In celebration, before she took off, Leonardo poured them both a glass of wine to start the trip off on the right foot. The two of them said cheers. Faustina took a sip of the wine and dropped to the floor. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What the fuck? <laughs> well, like, what's going on here? Keep going. Well, Leonardo told everyone that she was looking to do good things to help protect her son when he went out to the war. Yeah. But her actual plans had been completely different. By then, she had learned that the universe didn't give. It took. And it was about to take her son's life. The only thing Leonardo could do to stop that from happening was to give the universe another life instead of taking her son's Giuseppe's. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I was I I I wasn't gonna go. I whoa. I can't believe this. I'm like lost. You flabbergasted. <laughs> I, I literally am because I didn't expect this, and now I'm like. What the fuck do I even say? Because I really liked her. Now what the fuck is she doing? See what I said I'm when there's spiraling like, here. See what I said when there's like essentially two stories to this? Yeah. Okay. Wow. So she had clearly obviously spiked the wine. And after Faustina had fell to the floor and began losing the ability to move and most uh, importantly no. defend herself, Leonardo uh -oh. took one of her axes, <gasps> swung it high in the air above her head, and struck down towards her on the ground. Oh my gosh. She killed her while she laid on the kitchen floor. That's a pretty brutal way to die too. Oh yeah. And there she laid lifeless in pools of her own blood. And her lifelong goal of being married, now just a thing of the past. Leonardo dragged her lifeless body over and stuffed Faustina into a cupboard. She then began to clean up the scene 
and got to work again. Once ready, she drained Faustina's body of all its blood, letting it sit in the kitchen basin and slowly coagulate. She then chopped Faustina's body into nine different parts. Holy shit. She poured kilos of caustic soda that she'd usually used for making soaps together with the body parts into pots and then boiled Faustina away. Leonardo then took the coagulated blood that she had in the basin, baked it into the oven until it was dry and brittle before she ground it into flour, which she then used to bake her tea cakes. Are you shitting me right now? Nope. What the fuck just happened to the story? I was like kind of enjoying this, kind of like wondering exactly where the fuck it was going to go. And then this is just like, what? Yeah. This is like fucking Mrs. Lovett's meat pies and shit. Well, yeah. Wow. Well, in her own words, she said, I mixed it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk, and eggs, as well as a bit of margarine. Kneading all the ingredients together, I made lots of crunchy tea cakes and served them to the ladies who came to visit, though Giuseppe and I also ate them. She even herself ate them. She even ate them. Wow. And when she was done with Faustina's body, she took the remains, the leftovers, if you will, and poured it into septic tanks, and no one was the wiser. Wow. And here everyone just thinks this lady is off with her husband, her new husband. Yeah. Hmm. That's now, wild. It is theorized that maybe Leonardo was thinking that by serving Giuseppe and herself the cake, she was protecting them and most importantly him from mm. the war or who knows what. But her motivations must have seemed a bit shaky even to herself because it didn't take long for Leonardo to start thinking that she maybe hadn't done enough and she couldn't let the opportunity to make sure Giuseppe was safe slip through her fingers when another opportunity presented itself. Another opportunity to kill, I'm assuming here. Well, a woman named Francesca Sovi came to Leonardo, not to ask for a cure or from a curse or help her with a lifelong dream, but for something a little more practical. Francesca was looking for a job, and Leonardo said that she knew of one. The only problem was it was in a different village, so Francesca would have to leave everything behind if she wanted to take it. The job was a good one. Francesca was going to be a teacher in a girl's school, and she decided to go for it. Leonardo convinced Francesca to send postcards to her friends and family, explaining that she was moving and that it may take a while for them to be in touch with each other again. Mm -hmm. After that, Francesca stopped by Leonardo's house, paid her 3,000 lire for all of Leonardo's troubles and hard work, and then... Before she set off, Leonardo offered her a celebratory glass of wine. Mm -hmm. Francesca, probably with a huge sense of excitement, took the sip of her wine. And just like before, she hit the ground. And Leonardo again oh. took one of her axes and killed the woman lying helplessly in her kitchen floor before making flour out of her blood and boiling her body away. Wow. This is so bizarre. Yeah. Like bizarre. Does her family realize what the, sh I, I mean, I assume they don't realize what she's up to here. I don't think so. 
I, I'm pretty sure they would have said something otherwise. Mm -hmm. So, and there isn't much said about her family um, outside of this either. So okay. hard, hard to know for sure. Now, the second murder, though, kept Leonardo happy for a while. But with Giuseppe's birthday creeping closer and closer, she began to grow uneasy again. This time, she knew she had to do something special to make sure her favorite son didn't end up falling victim to her mother's curse and dying like her other children had in the past. This time, Leonardo struck a little closer to home. Virginia Cacchiopo was one of Leonardo's good friends. The two spent a lot of time together, having tea and eating cakes, but Virginia was a bit restless. She'd once been an opera singer who'd performed at La Scala in Milan before she'd moved to Corriego with her husband to settle down with the family. But Virginia was now a widow, and she knew that Leonardo had already helped two other village women completely change their lives. So Virginia wanted to travel again. She wanted to get away from the small town, village life, and one of her best friends was able to get her a way out. Leonardo knew of an organizer who worked putting concerts and plays and operas together, and he was looking for a secretary, conveniently enough. Of course she knew of this, yes. Right? The only problem was he lived and worked in Florence. So if Virginia wanted to take the job, she'd have to leave everything behind and move there. Oh my gosh. Okay, and I'm all I can think about right now is like, so shit's gonna go down again, the exact probably MO that she's done with these other two people. And for Virginia to be so laying on the ground paralyzed mm -hmm. and just like what is going through her head. Like these other two people, they did not start a new life. Like she killed them. Yeah. That would be the only like you just be in shock and like what? And this is your friend yep. above you. Yep. That's brutal. Yeah. Well, we're not quite there yet, but at this moment in time, Virginia was delighted. She got everything organized to move to Florence to start her new job. On her last night in Corriego, she went to visit her old friend who set up all this for her. And the two shared a bottle of wine together. Mm -hmm. Virginia toasted Leonardo and took a sip of the glass of wine. And that was that. Leonardo murdered her good friend Virginia with an axe before making flour out of her blood and boiling her body away like the others. But while what was left of Virginia's body was on the stove, Leonardo noticed something special about Virginia's remains, if we, oh if we shall. And what was this? To quote her, she says, her flesh was fat and white. When it melted, I added a bottle of cologne and after a long time on the boil, I was able to make some most acceptable creamy soap. I gave bars to neighbors and acquaintances. The cakes, too, were better. That woman was really sweet. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Hey? So she rendered her fat down, made fat or made soap out of it. And then apparently her tea cakes were sweeter than the others. Were the best of any. Yes. I mean, I mean, oh, I don't know. I was going to be like, I guess it's slightly a compliment, <laughs> but also like, 
really weird. This is so I brutal. Know. I don't know if I'd say that's. Well, I mean, if you're going to end up being a, what is it? A teacup? A tea cake. A tea cake. A teacup. Like you'd want your, you to be the best tea cake. I guess. So I'm just saying at least she's the best tea cake. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's one hell of a silver lining. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to put a positive spin on this. You know, shit, at the very okay? least I made a damn good tea cake. <laughs> All right. <laughs> My soap was creamy, too. Oh, that's just brutal. These poor people. Yeah. Because the deaths are just horrid, how she's doing it. Oh, 100%. And she also, of course, made sure that Giuseppe used the soap made out of Virginia's body mm -hmm. as well. Of course. And with that, she believed that she had officially protected her son from dying in the war. She's like, okay, this has to do it. That's so interesting. Okay. Especially with the soap, you know, probably creating like a freaking shell or armor on him or something who knows right mm -hmm. so in her brain she has convinced herself that she she's done what she needs to do exactly now there is another twist in leonardo's story another prophecy that was destined to come true so unlike the other two virginia had family living in coriego and they noticed when she suddenly disappeared. She had also spoken about the job Leonardo had found her, while the previous two had actually remained silent about what was going on at Leonardo's request. Even though Virginia was requested to stay silent about it until things came into fruition as well, she wasn't quite as tight-lipped. She was a bit more chatty? A little bit. And when her family realized that she was actually nowhere to be found before she was actually even supposed to take off for this job, they decided to go to the police and report her missing, who then came knocking on Leonardo's door and asked if she knew where Virginia had gone. Leonardo told them the story about Virginia moving to Florence, but the police, they weren't quite convinced. Hmm. By this time as well, there were rumors of an upsetting smell coming from Leonardo's home. Now, this is kind of just hearsay sort of stuff, but this is kind of something I want to throw in here and just mention. Um, now, it was occasionally, apparently, the smell coming up through the floors, though no one really seemed to think much of it as, you know, she was liked in the community and you know, had a good reputation. But from what I can um, deduce, the smell was coming from what she was pouring down the drain. Right. Coming up from the septic tank or septic field through the floorboards into her house and potentially Ugh. surrounding areas. Which honestly makes sense. It does. It really does. Yeah. Because it's not like that body's getting washed away into the river somewhere. No. So it's she's like very, very near. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it does make sense that that occurred. So now the police, they weren't buying much of her story and they began poking around the house and Leonardo's other stories regarding the other women uh, were kind of starting to fall apart as well. And it didn't take them long to make these connections. Leonardo was found to actually be selling articles of clothing and shoes that had belonged to some of these women. What? Yeah. And as soon as that connection was made, she was arrested. Okay. That doesn't seem like the brightest. Well, I mean, it doesn't. But in her, like who's. What she was thinking is, who's going to know, like, these shoes belong to this specific women? She'll just sell it to some other random person. But then when that random person begins being like, oh, yeah, those are so-and-so yeah. shoes, I'm sure. Like, you know. I or, feel like it would be, that would be, that was a mistake. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, so Leonardo was found to be selling these articles of clothing. She was arrested and it actually didn't take long for the police to begin thinking outside the box a little bit. They were thinking that there's no way she did this alone. And they began to suspect that her son, Giuseppe, was also involved. Uh-oh. Now this terrified Leonardo. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want anything to happen to her precious son, her favorite child. Mm-hmm. And she admitted everything just like that eh yep i mean okay not that the police intended for that to be but that is an actually an amazing interrogation method is it not oh yeah for sure i mean that's not what they they actually thought he was involved like as far as it sounds no, they, they actually thought he could have potentially been involved but that is like that's a good interrogation method if oh. if one's ever needed hell yeah be like oh we believe so-and-so was involved in this too. Do you have anything to say about that motherfucker? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, no, it was just me. Like that's Well, I feel stuff, like so. nine out of 10 parents would probably protect their, or probably even higher, would protect their kid and take all, all the blame, especially if they had nothing to do with it. Even if they did, they'd probably just still take all the blame. Yeah, but what police don't want to just get someone to falsely admit something. They want to figure Touché. out what actually happened though, right? Touche. So they don't want to force someone to just take the blame. Yeah. So. But this were, well, this was a good scenario here. Yeah. Got her to blab away. Definitely. And uh, so she was arrested. Like I already mentioned, Giuseppe uh, got to walk free and she admitted everything. She admitted everything from luring the women in with false pretenses to spiking their wine to chopping them up with a fucking axe, using their remains to produce and procure foods and soaps and that sold in their shop and feed to the community, herself and her son. She admitted it all. That poor community after realizing what they were like eating. Could you imagine? Yeah. That's nasty. I know. And just thinking about it, it's like, ugh. The biggest thing that gets me is I'm thinking about baking blood to get like blood chips and then grinding it down into flour <laughs> and then using it to bake. Oh my gosh. It's actually amazing that no one, well, no, I guess you're cooking it. I was like, people could get sick, but you are cooking. What if she's just like, shit out of it. what if she's just like, cause, cause it's like all dyed red or something where she's like, yeah, it's just red velvet. That's my special red velvet. Yeah. Secret ingredient. There you go. Yeah. And everyone's just like, oh my gosh, it's the best thing I ever tasted. (sighs) No thanks. Um, Regardless though, she was clearly tried for these three murders. She was tried in 1946 where she appeared casually and uncaringly in court. She even actually um, was reportedly correcting the judge over certain details (laughs) on how the crime was committed and played out. Wow, that seems wild. Why? What's the point of that? I don't know. I don't I don't really get it. Huh. I think that to this point it might be boasting about it and prideful. Yeah, she's she accomplished. almost proud. Yeah. So her fate was sealed. Leonardo's sentence was sentenced, sorry, to 30 years in prison, followed by three years in an insane asylum which she would die of a stroke in 1970 while serving what remained of her sentence in the asylum. Hmm. So whether or not the curse was true, all the fortunes told on her came true. Every single fortune, the multiple deaths of her children at young ages, the prison sentence, and even the time in an asylum. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. She was like, that makes it believable. 
It does. And I mean, maybe the curse is true or maybe it's coincidence or may, maybe the idea of this curse drove her to the brink of insanity itself and caused her to live that very life that she so desperately tried to avoid. I just feel like that's quite a coincidence. It's especially when you get down to those children. To that amount of children, you know, I mean, because a lot of them she did end up birthing, right? Yes. I, th I think it was 10 children that she. Wow. Four miscarriages. I, th I know four survived. I can't remember the exact numbers, but yeah, there was quite a few that died at young ages. Yeah. So I just feel like how could that. I don't know. Like someone couldn't have that bad of, of luck. I don't no. even know if that's the right wording. Uh, and placebo effect only goes so far, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think like she had some pretty severe mental things going on, even if it was just down to um, being concerned and stressed over this potential curse. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm no doctor. I'm no physician. I'm no practitioner. I'm nothing in the medical field. Um, but some stress like that has to take a toll on a woman's body mm -hmm. when she is carrying a child. Stress and, is evil. And I don't know if stress is akin to potentially pushing miscarriages, but that very well sounds applicable to me. If yeah. she is that concerned over a cur this curse, maybe it pushed into her pregnancies. Yeah, I mean, they say like stress is the new smoking, right? It can do very bad things to your oh, body. Yeah, it can. Very bad. It's intense. So, I mean, I mean, not that... This was back in the day, but still, it was still the same effect today. But um, yeah, it could cause some serious issues for her. Hundred mm percent. -hmm. So, yeah, that's the case. It's a wild one. Yeah, that to me, this case doesn't even like. Is are you sure this is a true crime? <laughs> are you sure? Like I said, it's like two fucking stories. I know. I actually have a hard time believing that this is even legit, that this is le legitimately happened. It was an interesting one to research going back and actually reading these. I had to double take a lot of times, like rereading these. I'm like, okay, hey, wait, what the fuck? Because mm -hmm. it, it threw me for quite the curveball quite a few times. It seems like this should be a sitcom or something. Or a, a sitcom? Or something, <laughs> but not a legit true crime story. Yeah. I it's one of the most bizarre ones, I I would admit. I don't know if I'd say a sitcom, though, because sitcoms are generally comedy. That's why it's sitcom. Okay. Um, movie, TV series. TV series. There a, you a go. A drama series. A drama. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Because this was not funny. I'm not, I'm not putting light to any of this. No. No, I know what you mean. I just saying sitcom, I don't think that quite, quite fits. Yeah. But I know what you're saying. But just something made up. Yes. Yeah. Well... Do we have anything we got to talk about at the end of this? We got to wrap anything up. Do we have to point anyone in any direction? Oh, we do. We do. One thing we should, if you're listening to this, what is, to, what is, well, we're recording this on the 20th, but tomorrow is the 21st when this is released. Yeah. Check our Instagram. Something might be happening on there. Yeah. Should, should, uh, should check it out. At some point during that day. I don't know what time, but at some point. At some point, just keep an eye open because something might be happening over there i don't know if you understood what i just said wink, I, wink, I nudge, said nudge. something might be happening over there <laughs> yeah and all the links for our social medias are down in the description of this podcast you can get website you can get instagram facebook you can get merch you name it youtube it's all down there we got it all check it out also if you're feeling just that little extra generous you can go ahead and give us a rating ratings help us a lot uh we got a couple recently that were, were really nice and we appreciate mm -hmm. reading them so thank you to you guys out there who have given us those ratings they mean the world yeah they really do help it's amazing yeah but if you don't want to do it that's cool too you're here and we appreciate that just the same so thank you well done on this i feel like that'd been such an interesting one to uh 
to research. It was. It was very interesting, to say the least. <laughs> interesting. I think I might be like thinking about curses for the next few weeks and I don't know, thinking how they apply in my life. Maybe I've been cursed or Go something. Go down a rabbit hole. I think I have been cursed with beauty. Oh. Look at this beard. It's magnificent, majestic. This is clearly a curse. Yeah, just like your yeah. man bun's about to come in. Exactly. Long story. Long story, but I'm growing a man bun. <laughs> ben is growing a man bun. And the reason why I'm growing a man it's bun. It's nothing to do with me. I said one day I should grow a man bun. And Nicole said, you would never. And here we are. So today. now I'm growing a man bun. Specifically in spite and to prove her wrong that I would. But apparently at any point I can tell him to get a haircut and it's gone. But if she does that. Then I lose. I win. <laughs> this is so absurd. It's so absurd. This is just married life in the Gibson house. Yeah. Oh. With a man bun and a cursed beard of beauty. Yeah, so oh let's my God, see. cursed beard of beauty. Maybe you guys will one day be able to see what Ben looks like with a man bun. Yeah, we should uh, maybe put up a poll if <laughs> if it'll actually happen. Oh, I know, I don't know. It's Your hair's getting pretty long. We might have to do like progress reports and shit. Yeah, we might. Although I did specify that I'm allowed to get a trim to shape it up because I got a weird shape to my hair Which right now for my I hairstyle. I don't know if I necessarily agree to that, but... Yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. Thanks for staying around, especially if you're here right now. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Thanks you, for listening. Yeah. I'm just going to say, if you guys know about Matt, Ben's man bun, you're a true fan. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you all. And as of, of course, until next time, stay, stay wicked. wicked. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.